Welcome to the Chop and Beef Show. I'm back after a little bit of a month hiatus. Back in mom's basement. Trying to talk about some college sports. It is your 2006 Connecticut School of Broadcasting most improved student from the Tampa campus down there. I am the beef. This is the Chop and Beef Show. Like I said, coming from mom's basement. It's been a month since I've been on the show talking about the NCAA basketball tournament with my boy Pat Flaherty. Had a really good couple three episodes with P. Flat, as I like to call him. Not to his face, though, because he'd probably beat me up. But Pat was very helpful, very knowledgeable about the sport, loves it. The tournament's just unreal, isn't it? We'll get to all that here in a second. Did want to come on and talk. I got called out a little bit the other day. Got called out on my own Facebook page. You see, I give the Chop and Beef debauchery show guys some some leeway into working the Chop and Beef show fan page. And JJ, old JJ, is doing a great job of keeping it, calling me out a little bit, you know, in, in his passive-aggressive way about... Uh, my fact that I put a lot of football things on the, sh- the website and not a lot of the other stuff. Whereas back when I started this mess, I did say that I was going to be talking a lot about all sports. I wanted to talk about basketball, m- mostly men's sports, because the misogynist in me decided that that's where we were going to go. Quite honestly, that's what I follow. So Call me whatever that word I just said. I can't believe I said it correctly. I won't say it correctly twice. So suffice it to say, I'm following some men's sports. I did say at the beginning of this that I would talk about football, basketball, and baseball. Maybe even sprinkle in a little lacrosse. Well, here it is. This is the show for that. But truth be told... I am going to be sprinkling in some more college football as well. As we are well into the recruiting mess, uh, like I told people a long time ago on this show and a long time ago in life, like the worst thing that's ever happened to me is that I followed recruiting. Kind of fell out of following recruiting for a couple of years, and it was glorious. Like I kind of knew the guys' names that were coming, but never really followed it because I'm 41 now, almost 42, less than a month away from the 42nd, the end of my 42nd year, and going to enter my 43rd year on this beautiful earth. But for a lot of that, you know, these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old, and I'm, you know, getting excited about whether or not they're coming to Clemson or where they're going. And quite honestly, that gets a little tedious and, uh, I don't know. It's probably something I should have followed when I was in school down there in Clemson University, in Clemson, South Carolina, as our boy Rai Rai would say. But I started following it, especially as Clemson started getting better, and I will discuss some recruiting here in a little bit. But JJ called me out the other day about, you know, baseball. There's been a lot of really fun stuff with the University of Missouri out there when they get interviewed after games, especially on the SEC Network, their guys are doing some funny antics behind behind whoever the uh, reporter is, I guess. But it's been a lot of fun. And I don't know if you know this, but baseball players, especially at the college level, are some of the craziest people on the face of the planet. Uh, 
Locke, Locke has a friend that back in the day would would tell tell us stories. He was he happened to play on the USA baseball team back in ninety five, ninety six. Team USA that would go around the world and play in different countries against other teams. But they, he had stories for days about these guys, and it's just crazy, crazy stories. And names that you may have may or may not have heard. If you were a contemporary of mine, you've probably heard the names if you're a baseball fan. But otherwise, you may not know, especially nowadays. Like, heck, I don't even know who the heck's in Major League Baseball much anymore, as uh, obvious with my fantasy baseball prowess. If you will, but we're in the, we're chock right in the smack dab in the middle, almost to the end of college baseball. We're actually in in college softball. We're in conference tournament, so we're getting right there to the end. And it usually starts ramping up right around that first week of June. I remember that because my birthday is the first week of June, and I usually spent, especially when I was in Greenville or when I was in Clemson, I would spend my birthday weekends at a regional, whether or not it be at Clemson. Most of them were. Sometimes even I went down to the University of Georgia and watched when Clemson was there. So I know that, that right around my birthday time is when the regionals start. And I will tell you, I'll start the story off with Clemson. Baseball is struggling mightily this year. So uh, this will not be a Clemson-centric baseball conversation. So for all of those of you out there that are thinking that all, that's all I'm going to talk about, it is what I know a little bit more of. But however, they're not doing that well. Young arms, not playing good fundamental baseball. They're a couple games over 500. Currently, RPI is like 46. They're going to struggle to even get into a regional. And if they do, they'll be a three seed probably. A lot of the four seeds come from these smaller conferences that win their conference tournament. And so three seeds are those kind of upper upper conference teams like the SEC, the ACC, that maybe are struggling a little bit but are hopefully a little better than some of these other teams. But once again, it's baseball. And baseball, you never know. Uh, the round, round, hitting a round ball with a round bat and balls take funny hops and things happen. And, you know, one thing I was talking about the other day with a friend was that baseball, someone was saying how baseball is boring and it is, and it's an acquired taste and it's acquired sport. Baseball is one of those things though. It's like an, it, it is an individual sport masked in a team sport. Now I know I'm going to be wrong and maybe get some kickback from that, but it's one-on-one all the time. A good pitcher usually wins against a good batter. Usually, you know the the old adage is that the best hitters, the major the the uh, Hall of Fame hitters, usually hit around yeah three hundred. That means three out of ten times they're successful. Thirty percent of the time they're successful and they're considered a really big success. So a lot of times pitchers are the winners in a lot of these games. 27 outs. However, it is a one-on-one. It's a pitcher versus a batter. And the batter has, you know, it's a one-on-one game with a team element. So, I don't know where I was going with that. And I kind of got off track. So, anyway, Division One Baseball, the top 25, according to D1Baseball.com, which is the, in my opinion, it's the preeminent baseball, especially college baseball, publication that comes out. They do a really nice job on Twitter and they have a really nice website, but they're kind of, they have, they have reporters all over the country. So you're kind of getting a real feel. There's no real East coast bias, especially when it comes to baseball. Florida tends to have good baseball, especially on the high school level, any warm sport, warm state that baseball can be played 
round round the year. That tends to be where baseball thrives. So anyway, I'll get to the rankings here. D1 baseball top 25 as of this week, the week of May. Holy crap, it's May 10th. But UCLA, Stanford, heavy, heavy Pac-12, like I just said, uh, feel in baseball. UCLA and Stanford are one and two. Vanderbilt, God, Vanderbilt just every year just reloads Tim Corbin down there in Nashville. Arkansas, Mississippi State at five. Louisville, number six. Georgia Tech at seven. It's funny because that Clemson team that I spoke of earlier beat Louisville two out of three and probably should have swept them and didn't, but then loses to teams like Presbyterian. Uh, No disrespect to Presbyterian. It's a good baseball school. I'm lying. I don't know. Anyway, Georgia Tech, Georgia, East Carolina, Texas Tech round out the top ten. A good good eclectic mix there. Uh, I mean, I say that, and I'm lying to myself again. UCLA, Stanford, Pac-12, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State is in the SEC. Then Louisville, Georgia Tech, ACC, Georgia, SEC, East Carolina, I don't know, Texas Tech, Big 12. I mean, it just goes down the list. I can, I'll, I'll read them off. Ole Miss, Oregon State, North Carolina, Baylor, LSU, UC, Santa Barbara, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, NC State, Miami, and that's the top 20. But... So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I don't know if I've told, should I do stories with story time with Uncle B? Let's do story time with Uncle B for real quick. Uh, back in 2009, I had the opportunity to go to Omaha, Nebraska. I had a, JJ actually went with us. We had a, a friend of ours, Larry, rest in peace, one more beer, who we just wanted to get out. He was kind of, you could kind of start telling that he was sort of at the end of his, at the end of his line. He uh, had a couple more years in him, but died, unfortunately, very early and pretty expectedly but uh, unfortunately uh, started going with his mind a little bit and we just really wanted to get him out so JJ came up with a great idea to kind of surprise him with a trip and something that he and I JJ and I really wanted to do was go to Omaha Nebraska Uh, JJ's mom happened to live about an hour and a half maybe two hours away from Omaha in St. Joe Missouri and so we decided to take the trip, and we decided to, surpri- to surprise Larry, who was a who is a huge Alabama fan and a big baseball fan, just a big fan of sports, just a good, fun-loving guy. Older guy, he was probably about sixty-two at the time, maybe sixty-three. Just a great, a great dude, a father figure. Um, not not taken away from my dad at all, but uh, father figure to us down there in Tampa, and he was a lot of fun. And anyway, I, I digress, but we decided to surprise him. So we flew into Kansas City. We told him just to pack a bag, and it should it was in the middle of June, I guess, so it should have been warm. And he packed a bag. We ended up getting to St. Joe, Missouri, or sleeping for the night, getting in the car in the morning, still had no idea where he was. And we get to Omaha, get to Rosenblatt Stadium, watch a couple games there at Rosenblatt. It was unreal. And... Happened to watch the Yankees last night. Mike Leake was pitching for Seattle. And that happened to be the pitcher that we saw in probably the most, uh, I can't speak today, the most exciting game of baseball that I've ever watched live. I know there's a lot of other stuff, but it was a 2-1 game with Arizona State and Texas. It was just a great game, but it was a great experience. And Omaha, Nebraska, if you ever have a chance to go, to especially to the college world series they've since moved the stadium downtown apparently it's really cool like nightlife and 
a lot of fun, but really good down-home people there. Shout out to Nick, who we parked in his garage for a game because it was very, like, local feel. You were in a neighborhood, Rosenblatt, back in the day. It was in a neighborhood, so you were parking in people's lots and people's driveways. We were, I would pee every five minutes in Nick's house. You know, just he just told us to open the door, come on up, and just tell, tell him that we were there. So I was there about every ten minutes. As those of you that uh, have had a beer or two with me know, I like to pee a lot. Anyway, uh, so Rosenblatt is fantastic. It's since been moved over, like I said, to I think it's TD, TD Ameritrade Stadium in Omaha, Nebraska. But it's such a good time. So I can't wait till the middle of June. It's usually right around that 15th, 16th, 17th time of June that ESPN will pick it up and you'll be able to watch college world series top eight teams play in a tournament a double elimination tournament to get to the championship series which which is best two out of three but looking at the top 25 really the top 20 because that's all i can see on my computer screen uh, ucla stanford you know you 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 look at all these teams in the top 20 and you're going to see a lot of them in omaha you're not going to see the top eight it just doesn't ever happen that way you're going to have a team like a coastal carolina who came pretty much they were ranked but they came out came pretty much out of nowhere a couple years ago and ended up winning the whole thing that's the funny thing about baseball and especially college baseball you get somebody hot you get a hot pitcher and even give them credit south carolina a few years ago they got hot they had a couple really good hitters Whit merrifield is killing it in the in major league baseball right now he was on that team they had another kid named pancake joey pancake who was a second baseman or shortstop who was awesome. Jackie Bradley Jr. was on that team who's killing it for the Red Sox right now, at least defensively. Uh, he's always on a highlight reel somewhere. He was on that team. So these guys were just – pitcher was Michael Ross. He was a lefty. He was just – he threw poo up there. He was fantastic. But to have a, a team like that, they weren't highly touted necessarily during the year. Maybe they were in the top 15, but they weren't in the top eight. But at some point during the season, you get a chance, or especially during the NCAA tournament, you get a chance to see some of these teams. Now, a lot of times the cream does rise to the top. Clemson's been a regional host the last couple of years. They've had the same three of the same four teams, and the same team won both times, and that was Vanderbilt. So the cream generally rises to the top, but but uh, you know you have these surprise teams that make it. Stony Brook made it a few years ago, of all of all places. Stony Brook's a little small school in New York. So you never really know who's going to be playing in this game, and it's baseball. It's fantastic, and there's nothing better, nothing more raw than college baseball. That game that I spoke of earlier with uh, with Arizona State and Texas, it also had Jason Kipnis, who locks nose is, is my favorite player on the, on the face of the planet because Arizona State lost that day. They had Jason Kipnis and Mike Leak. Mike Leak pitched one of the greatest college baseball games I've ever seen. He had a little dink in the ninth. Actually, I guess, yeah, no, a little dinker in the ninth that tied the game at one. And then they walked off when a reliever came in. The nine-hole hitter for Texas, couldn't even tell you his name, hit a bomb. It was it was unreal. But it was just a great game. And these kids were on the ground crying. You know, it's like the real raw factor, real. You know, they were playing for the love of the game. A lot of their guys were going to go have a cup of coffee in the minor leagues maybe and then go out into the business world. Like I said, only two of those guys that I remember are in the big leagues in Kipnis and Leak, so uh, it, it's just a it's just an awesome, awesome experience. It's such an awesome game. You know, it doesn't get as much love as the basketball or as the base uh, as the football 
especially in the national coverage. Yeah, it's on ESPN, but you know, not not a lot of games are on during the year. You could go on ESPN three and stream some, but you're not seeing a lot of games. You're not seeing them every Saturday on on CBS. You're not seeing them every you know Friday night on Fox Sports. It's just it's just not covered. It's not as widely popular, but man, oh man, is it a fantastic sport. So that's coming up here uh, within the next couple weeks. Another thing, and this is not a smooth segue at all, but another thing that I really like a lot, and I get made fun of tremendously about it, but right around Memorial Day, you get the Final Four for lacrosse. And one of the cool things about college lacrosse is that Division One, Two, II, and Three men and women play the same weekend for the national championship. So it is a truly a great event. I've been once and when it was at Rutgers University, and this was a long time ago, uh, but I went probably, it may have been 2000, 2002 maybe, but it was, it was a good 17, 18 years ago that I went and was, was able to watch all of the games. So I watched the semifinals of all three levels of the men, then watched the finals of all three levels of the men, and it's the entire weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. They play the final of the Division One on Monday, Memorial Day itself, and they do all the rest of them on Sunday. Then the, you're playing Friday, Saturday. Saturday's the semifinals for Division One. You're playing Friday for the D2, D3. But, man, if you like the sport or even just are interested in the sport, it's fast-moving, it's high-paced, it's really, really awesome. Well, this year... Speaking of, you never know who's going to be there. And some of these smaller schools that a lot of people may have, may or may not have ever even heard of are out there doing doing great things. The number one team in the country right now is Penn State. Penn State is not usually up there at the top. Now, they may make the tournament here or there, but they've been utter, utterly dominant this year with a 14-1 and record, and they get to play UMBC. UMBC won their conference. They're 6-8. and eight. They came out of nowhere. So that's another one of those teams that you just never know. And Penn State was pushed to the limit the other day by Johns Hopkins in the Big Ten final. They won in overtime, won the faceoff, ran down the field and scored. But it was a fantastic college lacrosse game. If you have any interest whatsoever in the game, that game was was awesome. I happened to be in attendance for earlier in the season, Loyola, Maryland, my wife's alma mater, was playing against Johns Hopkins. And Loyola looked completely dominant they look like the best team in the country by far they got a kid pat spencer who's a senior finally i feel like he's the hunter renfro of college lacrosse if anyone follows it he's been there for about 100 years because he was so dominant as a freshman and he's just come through the ranks a lot of those guys none of those guys go pro early and there is actually a pro league but pat spencer and loyola ended up as the eighth seed and they're 11 and 4. They're going to have to go up against a Syracuse team who's perennially in the top 25. And they play them this Saturday at noon to in order to play Penn State in all likelihood. Then you have Yale playing Georgetown. I mean, look listen to some of these teams. Yale's number 5 happens to have a Seton Hall Prep alum, uh, Tevlin uh on that team and Tevlin for Seton Hall Prep people out there is a name that everyone knows. His nephew is one of the. Uh, he won the national championship. Yale won the national championship last year. They're twelve and three. A great story about this young man too is that he is a bone marrow transplant donor. So in the middle of the year, he got a phone call, and it said, "Hey, you are a match for this person that needs your bone marrow." In the middle of the season, this gentleman said, "This young man said, okay, I'll do it." And he went 
and got the procedure done. Now, I don't know in-depth details about the procedure, but what I was reading in articles was that it was going to take him, it could take as little as three days or a month to recover from bone marrow donor. It ended up taking him not that long to come back, and he's back on the field. You know, it doesn't do much damage to you personally, but it, this is this speaks to the character of the kid. It also speaks to the character of most of the lacrosse world. One thing that I'm realizing, especially as the game of lacrosse is growing as much as it is, is that these kids are awesome. And, you know, as much as I say the baseball kids are crazy, lacrosse kids are pretty crazy too. But a lot of these lacrosse kids, especially at the top level, really have great character. And it's stories like that, that from this young man at Yale who's in the middle of his season, he's a sophomore, so he does have some more time to go there, was able to do. He's able to save a life. Maybe more than one. I'm pretty ignorant on that stuff. But he's at, at least willing to save a life, put himself out there to save somebody else's life. This is the kind of stories that you get sometimes, most of the time actually, when you're hearing about college lacrosse. Well, they're playing against the Georgetown team, 13-4. and four. Uh, That's Saturday. That's a, another great thing about these, this tournament too, is that they play on each week so they play three weeks leading up to memorial day they'll play saturday and sunday this week they'll play saturday and sunday next week then the the following week is actually memorial day so we're looking at three more weeks of spring i guess if you're in an area of the country that actually has that as as it was 52 degrees and raining yesterday here in the northeast but hopefully at some point because the final four is going to be in lincoln financial field in philadelphia pennsylvania on Saturday, May 25th and 27th. So hopefully by then, it's going to be a little bit nicer here in the Northeast because Philly's in the Northeast for those geography-challenged people. And UPenn, UPenn, another Ivy League school, is ranked fourth in the country. They go up against the Arm, uh, the Armed Forces Academy, Army, West Point, uh, there on Saturday. Virginia is another perennial power. They're always in it, too. They're going up against Robert Morris. Raise your hand right now if you know where Robert Morris is. Exactly. Towson took down a couple big juggernauts earlier in the season. Towson University. That's in Maryland for those of you that don't know. Towson beat uh, then-ranked number one Loyola, Maryland, and then beat beat the crap out of Johns Hopkins, who's perennially one of the top teams in the, in the country as well. They go up against Maryland, so they're kind of in-state battle. Lacrosse is really big in Maryland. It's really big in Long Island. It's really big in the Northeast. It's starting to grow, though, especially with going out to Denver a couple of years ago. Denver won the national championship, so it is reaching the West Coast, and it's fun to look at some of the rosters on these teams because it's a kind of a slow growth, but it's, it is growing. Like I'm going to say it's a slow growth, but it's growing fast, if that makes any sense whatsoever, and I know it doesn't, but who cares? It's my show. But so west of the Mississippi, before the University of Denver, or Denver University, it's Denver University, won the national championship, there was really no growth. Now Notre Dame is is thrust onto the scene. They're a, a power. Now you're getting kids from Canada. You're getting kids from Long Island. You're getting kids from Maryland. There's plenty of those kids going around. But there's teams like Furman University, who isn't making the tournament this year, but they started from nothing. That's in Greenville, South Carolina. They're playing all the big guys Richie Mead is the coach down there, and he was the coach at the Naval Academy for a lot of years. He's a pretty big name in the lacrosse world. He took over or started a program at Furman just 
to grow a program. That was something he did at the Naval Academy. It's something he wants to do. It's something he's known for doing. So what he's done and the recipe that he's done down there at Furman, and it hasn't really stuck yet, but it's coming, is play anybody and everybody. Play the big dogs. I was able to go watch them play North Carolina a couple years ago, the year after North Carolina won the national championship and had a very dominating team. They returned a lot of players. Well, who's who's playing them first, second weekend of the year? Furman University in Greenville. And they held their own. They lost like 14 to 10, but it was a game that was very exciting and, and really is going to make those kids better. So it is a sport that is growing. It is a sport that is going across the country. And it is a niche sport. There's no question about that. There's plenty of people that are listening right now thinking about something else. Thinking about, I don't know, what they have to get at the grocery store. They're not thinking about this lacrosse conversation that I'm having. Maybe you turned it off. Well, if you turned it off, screw you, you know? Anyway, just a couple more games here. Notre Dame, like I said, is playing that aforementioned Johns Hopkins team. Johns Hopkins ended up 8-7, and seven, but they had a really good run in the Big, T- Big Ten tournament. Yes, for those football purists, they are in the Big Ten for lacrosse. And they uh, are 8-7. and seven. So they went to the final and pushed Penn State, the number one overall seed, uh, to the limit there to overtime and then the, finally on the bottom of the bracket Duke and Richmond once again these schools that you may may or may not have heard of Richmond is a basketball school a lot of times they're the ones that kind of the giant killers before before teams like VCU and Gonzaga even Richmond was the team that always seemed to knock off the big dogs in the NCAA basketball tournament but that's my conversation there about lacrosse so that's an exciting time too if you're not into it yeah, turn it on one Saturday or Sunday if you if if you know nothing about it. Just watch it for five minutes. See if it if it see if it grabs you. It may it may not, but it I love it. I enjoy it. Went to a really good high school game yesterday. Plan on watching this weekend as well. So there you have it. And finally, I'm gonna get back to it. College football. I know, I know, college football. All you talk about is college football. JJ called me out, like I said, about college football. That's that's the biggest thing. Unfortunately, that's the biggest thing in college athletics. It's the biggest thing. It's the one that gets the most pub. It's kind of like the NFL in the way that there's really no off season, especially for those that are really ingrained, like the poor souls like myself that follow recruiting, that have gotten back into recruiting, unfortunately. But one thing I wanted to mention, and it is kind of a beating my chest thing, Clemson University has the opportunity to be the have the best recruiting class in the history of college recruiting for as long as they've been monitoring it. Right now they have four five-stars picked. They have the number one quarterback. They have the number one defensive end. They have the number one linebacker, and they have the one, number one defensive back in the country committed. Now these are high school juniors. These are rising seniors that are committed to come to the, to the school. They have nine four-star kids. Oh, a thing about the tw- the five-star this year, there's only 22 five-star players that they that they count. They're usually between 20 and 30 in the entire country. Right now Clemson has 4, LSU has 3. They actually had two really surprise pickups this last week that no one even they weren't even on these kids you know, top five, top six schools, next thing you know, they're committed to LSU. So LSU's kind of right behind there. But I just wanted to go over real quick, Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Miami, Notre Dame, Florida State, Georgia, Florida, Penn State, and Ohio State rank out the top 10. 
And the reason I'm telling you this, and this will be the final comment of the day before I move on to something else, but I just did, did want to mention college recruiting. If you look at the teams that are in the top 10, I don't think things are going to be changing anytime soon as far as who's on top. I know Feinbaum on ESPN has been talking about how if you don't like Clemson, Alabama, you might as well get another sport because the next five years there's a really good chance that they're going to be playing each other for the championship. And that may be true. And even at some point, maybe I'll get sick of it, but I don't know. Probably not, especially if Clemson wins a couple of them. It would be nice to play someone else in the national championship, so Alabama can can fall if that's okay. Anyway, uh, but if you look at the teams, I mean, the, the top 10 in recruiting seem to mirror the top 10 in the results. Now, maybe save Miami, but you look, and now Florida, but Florida's having some problems this week. I'm not going to get into that here, but they are having some problems this week. They've lost one of their highest rated recruits who was an early enrollee. He's decided to get in the transfer portal and port himself somewhere. But Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Miami. Miami's been down a couple of years, but new coach, excitement, exciting coach. He's down there. Notre Dame's right there at five. Florida State was down last year, but you know they're Florida State. Georgia was right there at the end. They have a five-star, six, four-stars. They only have eight current uh, verbal commitments right now, but you know they'll be right there at the end. They got another big one yesterday as well. Uh, Penn State. Penn State's usually there in the Big Ten. They're fighting with Ohio State. Michigan. Michigan's down a little bit this year. They're like 19th currently. One of the surprising things, and, and it kind of goes with the Miami theme that I just spoke of, is North Carolina is right now at, at number 11. They have 12 verbal commits, and four of them are four stars, six or three stars, but they're at 11. And like I said with Miami, new coach, new mentality, try to keep some of those kids in-state maybe. A lot of North Carolina's recruits right now are from North Carolina. Same, in the same breath, I can say Georgia Tech's right there at 12. Same idea. They're not running that hokey triple option anymore and in fact in their spring game the first play of the game they lined up in the triple option and the quarterback then audibled out of it went into a a shotgun the running backs went two went over to be receivers one went next to him kind of a uh, offset formation and they threw up a long bomb so you know things are changing there at Georgia Tech as well and it goes it goes down the list the usual suspects south carolina is there at 22 auburn 21 michigan like i said at 19 a and m with jimbo fisher at 17 oklahoma's right there at the top but you get what i mean in that the, these teams that are recruiting really well and kids really want to go to their school are right there at the top and so you you do have to develop them and there are plenty of flops out there but for the majority of it when you have five four-star kids the probability of three or two making it and making a name for themselves is really pretty high and some of these four-star kids you know a lot of them should be five stars maybe they're better but it's tough it it is tough to rank these kids some kids just fly off the page like this kid that Clemson's getting it he's the sixth overall recruit he actually dropped a spot because you know all the games he's playing this week Um, but I'm sorry Brian, I don't even know how to say his last name. That's another thing about Clemson this year. A lot of these recruits that they're getting, you don't even know how to spell or say their last name. But this one seems to be pretty easy. It's Brian Breezy. I think it's Breezy. Breezy? Breezy. But he's a defensive end out of Maryland. 
and he's the number one defensive end in the country. And this kid is is just is unreal, man. Like he just flies off the ball. So odds are good if he if he keeps keeps building, keeps growing, he's going to be a monster. But there are some guys. Clemson's had him in the past. Willie Korn was the rated number one quarterback in the country. Anyone ever hear Willie Korn outside of Clemson University? That's what I thought. But that's the show for today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you know it's when you know it's good when I'm talking college recruiting. Oh no, no, it's not good. That's the episode of the Chop and Beef Show for May 10th. Plan on getting this out within the next day or so. And I hope everyone has a great spring season. There's a lot going on right now with spring sports. Spring sports springs eternal. Right here around May, it really starts getting going. And you have college regionals starting in a couple weeks you have the ncaa tournament for lacrosse going you'll see some fringe stuff like golf and it's not fringe but college softball they do a great job in oklahoma city down there for college softball as well but that's a show for may 10th friday may 10th i hope you guys have a fantastic weekend hope where you are it's at least nice because right now i look out the window of mom's basement and it looks a little overcast and gray and could possibly be pouring right now i'm not sure but thanks so much again for listening hope to be back here periodically to just check in especially now that college baseball's hitting you gotta find someone that's into it maybe i'll get jj back in we'll start talking college baseball i don't know just thinking out loud here Need somebody to talk about the College World Series with me. May need someone as well to talk about college across. If anyone out there is watching, even if you're not watching, they can fake it. Hit me up. Always looking for good content on this show. Any recommendations, please let me know as well. I'd be more than happy to listen to them, throw them out. I mean, throw them out there. For everybody here at the Chop and Beef Show, I am the Beef. Connecticut School of Broadcasting's 2006 Most Improved Student, as you can tell. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend, and I'll catch you really soon. Good night now.